HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's February 19th, 2013, and we're looking forward to New York City Beer Week and New York City Brewer's Choice. And thanks to our sponsors, greatbrewers.com, who bring the best beer to you. All right, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. We've got a great list of guests tonight. We're starting off with, we've got cheese in the room. We've got Jonathan White from Bobolink, the best cheese farm in New Jersey. And Shane Welch and Jeff Gorlikin, the guys from Six Point. We're going to talk about... What's going on at Six Point and uh, New York City Beer Week and whatever else you guys want to talk about. It's so good to have you back. Welcome to the show, Shane. One of the originals, right? You had one of the best interviews we ever did. I also would like to dedicate this show to uh, the late, great Mr. Ray. Mr. Ray Dieter. Yeah. Just because the last time I was here, um, he was doing the show, so... He was a special guy, and uh, next th- to kick off Craft Beer Week at DBA Williamsburg, they're doing a big cast fest, and I know they're doing some raffles. To r- they're continuing to raise money for his family fund, so That's great. thanks for bringing him up. Yeah. We miss him every, every time. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on at Six Point? You, you guys have some great new beers. I know today I put an order. Uh, I ordered uh, a keg of diesel. I ordered a keg of three beans. I ordered some resin. You got so some you're really staying with the light beers, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, actually, we're about to go into this new uh, formulation phase. So this is a, a fun time of the year for us because we're getting ready for Beer for Beasts. As a matter of fact, that's what I was just doing outside, working on some formulations for that. So the gist of that is every year in the springtime, uh, we formulate all these different beers for a charity event that we do with the Humane Society of New York. And we team up with them and Beer Advocate. And uh, at the Bell House, we serve a a couple or a few dozen unique beers that are only served at this place on this day. And they're all just uh, inspirational, homebrew-inspired formulations. And they often 
require uh, propagating all different types of yeast strains and and getting different types of crazy ingredients. So that's one of the things we're really focusing on right now. I was really lucky. Last year I got to make a beer for Beast. Uh, we had a collaboration, and we mm-hmm. called it the Ray Dieter. It was the Ray Dieter Brown Ale, and uh, Ray's son, Maxwell, helped make it. Yeah. And uh, this year I know Pete, your, your brewer, Pete Dixon's invited us out. We'll be out there February 28th. Uh, we've got some guys from the Happy Hour guys. We're going to put together a little coalition of uh, beer sessions radio buddies. Right on. So I think we're going to make a porter this year. We're just going to be pretty straightforward. You know, when you first start brewing, porter is is the kitchen sink beer. So, like, whenever you want to add a uh, some type of esoteric ingredient, you just say, okay, we'll make a porter. It's like, hey, I got these chili peppers. All right, let's what do a porter. <laughs> <laughs> what about an old sock? That works too. That 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 might be the goat scrotum ale of the original uh, Charlie Papazian, uh, complete joy of home brewing. The goat scrotum ale, which talked about the the smell of sweaty gym socks. I love that. But beer beer for beasts has been a, a huge thing. When you guys, this is the third year now. Yes. Yeah. Third, yeah. Third when, when you did it two years ago, it just kind of blew everyone away. It, it was really great to see you guys get behind the charity and do such an innovative you know beer program. How many people will be making uh, beers this year for Beer for Beast? I can't quote you a number right now, but I can tell you that my head brewer wants to kill me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he. You know, we're trying to streamline and, and make things more efficient. But what's interesting is we came up with this uh, innovation, which is nothing really new, though. But we're doing a lot of high gravity beers for the event. So what we're doing is we're capturing the the second runnings of these beers to make additional beers for the event. So, we, for instance, we were doing a, an Imperial Pilsner beer, which requires an insane amount of Pilsner malt and heavy uh, mash regime. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the second runnings of that beer, boil it down, and make a second be- basically make a second beer out of it. So you get two beers for one, is what I'm saying. I like that. You know what I'm saying? That's very frugal. Yeah. No, it's more of like lean production. You know, it's more like not wasting grain that has uh, perfectly good fermentable sugar in it. Because normally it would just go to feed or whatever, but if you can get two beers out of it, it's great. Isn't that it's, the way it's actually, it's funny because we're all eating sausage right now. <laughs> it's basically the same concept. I mean, you, you butcher an animal and then you got all these parts that normally some people might just throw away, but some inventive folks throughout time decided we could make additional food out of it. So with beer, they used to make heavier beers, and then they'd have like a mild, and a, and you would go down from the stronger to the medium to the light beers. But it was all the same grain. It just had been rinsed. You know? I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Back in the day, before they had laudering, that's what they would do. Wow. Actually, they didn't always used to lauder beer. Laudering, for those of you out there, is like when you're mashing grain, uh, you rinse it with hot water to, to extract the additional sugars. They didn't always used to do that. They used to just make a soup out of cracked grain and, or cracked malt and water and then pull the liquid out of it, and that was your beer. But then they realized if you did it again and again and again, you can make additional beers out of it. Um, but back in the day, they they hadn't figured that out, that method out. It's actually pretty recent on, in terms of the timeline for beer. Beer's about 10,000 years old. Um, but laudering is only several hundred years old. 
pretty interesting. Awesome. Hey, we also got uh, Jonathan White from Bobolink and Carolyn Pincus from Stag's Head, one of the good Brazil bars in, in uh, Midtown, Manhattan. You guys want to ask Shane any questions about his uh, Beer for Beasts? Or I, I want to know about some of the new beers you have because you've really uh, c- developed some, some really great new beers since we last talked. We have a lot in the works, too. Um, right now, we're doing some... Uh, the innovation is not just in the formulation, but our equipment. So what we're looking to do is uh, modify the existing brewing equipment and the cellaring equipment to do some really spectacular things um, and experimenting with different cultures of fermenting agents, including getting some that I harvested from Europe. So I have a soup of different fermenting agents that I'm bringing over from a cave in France which is going to be really awesome. So like what, like okay. special yeast or what? Uh, it's wild yeast and some lactobacillus and uh, some molds, actually. And that's, I think, the new frontier of ferment- fermentation is basically kind of like aspergillus. Aspergillus is a type of mold that you use to make miso and... Uh, it's koji, essentially, yeah. You can use it in Does cheese. Jonathan use it in cheese, too? Yeah. Say something, Jonathan. Yeah, aspergillus <laughs> is one of the ubiquitous uh, molds. It's everywhere. And um, it's not a big contributor to our cheese in terms of flavor. It actually, um, it's part of the succession when the cheese goes in the ripening room. Aspergillus blooms very quickly and creates a microclimate on the surface of the cheese, which is uh, conducive to penicillia. Most of the ripening of our cheese is wild penicillia. We let most cheesemakers go to great lengths to try to prevent aspergillus. Um, I like it because it actually kind of prepares the the turf for the uh, whoops for the um, uh, for the penicillins. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Jeff, do you want to pop a couple beers? What did you bring? You know, I haven't tried the three beans yet. You haven't? No, I haven't. So what kind of beer bar do you run over there? I don't know, but <laughs> could talk to the, the sales guy, The last guy under the last rock. I haven't tried it. Wow. I know. Well, yeah, this is a great day for you guys because um, this is actually two beers in one, like what Shane was saying earlier. Uh, it's a 10.1% Baltic porter that is brewed with Stumptown cold pressed coffee that's added after it's done conditioning. Then it has uh, Number some one. cocktail husks, which uh, the beer gets, uh, what does it get filtered through? And then Number two. they have a secret weapon that basically makes this like the greatest ever. Starbucks in a can, Frappuccino style. The Romano bean, when you pour this into a glass, look at the head on this thing. I love your cans. If you're home listening to this, crack open the three beans and stare at the head. And everyone at home, you can let us know when you're done. Okay, I'm doing that right now. It's look a at big, that thing. foamy, fuzzy head. Yeah, it's a, it's a cold latte. <laughs> it's latte It's actually, art. you know, the alcohol almost gets in the way of this beer. Because you would drink that all day if you could. If you could still stand up. But it's got that late vanilla finish that you get from the oak. So there's oak chips in there. It's basically, it's kind of a kitchen sink beer, but it's pretty spectacular. I want to tell you a little bit about the formulation and the history of the beer and so you have a better idea of how it, how it came about. So a lot of times the inspiration for these beers come from, I'll be, I have this big uh, brewing library at home. And so Kathy, Kathy works late hours, as you know, Jimmy. So she'll get home at like 2 in the morning from working in the kitchen. And I'll be at home like 
passed out on the couch with several beers scattered around me and a whole bunch of brewing books kind of like all over my chest and the dog will be like licking uh, or eating a, a slice of pizza off the floor or something but just to give you an idea, visualize this image but in some of these old brewing books you read about these old styles of beer and well, I was reading about these old Celtic beers and these old Slavic beers from the Middle Ages. And what they used to do is they used to make their beers using beans. They would add beans into the to the mash because the, due to the latitude they were at, they didn't have the cereal grains. So they didn't have wheat and barley to make beer with. So they would have to get other fermentable sugars. So they'd use berries and, and beans and stuff. Well, beans don't necessarily grow in that latitude either, but because they can be dried and transported easily and they're light, you could throw them into a, a mash and, and make a beer out of it. So that region produces the Baltic Porter, and I was thinking, well, how could we use a create like a modern Baltic Porter but also have uh, various types of beans in it that... Is, it represents a collaborative effort of the people that we know. So Mass Brothers happens to make really awesome chocolate, and we're friends with Stumptown, and they have their roastery in, in our neighborhood. So it all came together with that. The Romano beans were something that's based on the old recipe. I found some old recipes that they used to use Romano beans in the mash, and that those are the three beans inside of the, the three beans beer. That's cool. What do you think about that, Carolyn? The the beer? The beer's great. Yeah. It does actually, it tastes like a iced coffee with alcohol in it. <laughs> part, of, part of that has, to, we got to learn a lot about that process with, with coffee brewing. Mm. Because this, what's, what's interesting is that caffeine is not, if you want to do beer talk here, caffeine is, is not a function of temperature for solubility is a matter of, well actually it is it actually it's more soluble in cooler temperatures so when you make a hot cup of coffee it you don't need the heat to extract the caffeine out, right. of, the, out of the bean right it's like the this like cold pressing that my mom keeps talking about the you you basically let it sit for 12 hours with the in it like slowly it's it's a cold press it's like a 12 hour process slow brews the coffee and right. you're supposed to extract more of the oils and i don't know this is what yeah because uh, like i assume cook- it's a similar exactly right Wait, jonathan what what he's <laughs> shaking is that not right Come on. well you're sort of all right uh, there's not one caffeine in coffee there's actually okay. four different isomers of caffeine okay and they awesome. also have different solubilities at different temperatures and different times jonathan okay. well you're an engineer <laughs> yeah but that was a long time ago but like espresso is 30 seconds below boiling uh-huh. with a little bit of pressure that gets the isomer that affects the high, like the front of the brain, uh, and leaves behind the isomer that stimulates the central nervous system. So you get the sort of the, you think great thoughts without getting the jitters. So so the long, cold one is going to give you the jitters. Oh, okay. Uh, Which, you know, that's what my mom wants from her cup of coffee. This is, yeah, you should come over and tell my mom. She can talk about this cold press thing for just days at a time. But this makes for a very complex beer called Three Beans, doesn't it? Right. It's pretty cool. Right. And I know why you don't have it in your bar yet. I will. Because your bar is underground, <laughs> and something with a name like Three Beans Underground sounds dangerous to me. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. We're all stumped with that one, but... Stump all right. Down. Three Beans. I love this beer. All right. 
Well, you know what? We're going to take a short break because we're going to come back and talk more about all the great things happening in New York City, World of Beer and Beer Week and everything on Beer Sessions Radio. This one's called This Body by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We've got a great show here. We've got Six Point, Carton in the house, uh, two of my favorite breweries in New York, and uh, Jonathan White from Bobolink, and the Good Beer Seal represented by Carolyn Pincus. Simwa. Stag's Head in Midtown. All right. So we're talking about some of the new, new beers that Six Point's made with, with Shane Welch. Um, the Three Beans is really great, and uh, now Jeff is going to pour the resin. So, Jeff, you guys are always working on some cool things. you got Beer for Beasts. I'm looking forward to being part of that this year. But um, th- our buddy uh, John here, uh, John Conzella, has been reaching out to – he's a farmer in Long Island, and uh, he's starting to grow hops, and he's been reaching out to uh, brewers and beer people. Um, so how did you guys get acquainted? And, and I know you guys had a meeting today. So I guess John about. sent an email a month ago or so, reached out to us, and uh, our head brewer over there in Red Hook, Pete Dixon, uh, got in touch with John and – John came by the brewery today, and he was uh, handing out some hops. I wasn't really there. I was actually at the brewery today making a smoked lager for Beer for Beast with my son Alex with some oak chips. So, uh, How old is your son now? He's four years old, so he probably <laughs> was a little younger than Ray's son, but he, stirred, he did way more work than I did. He stirred the mash. He weighed out the hops, and uh, it should be a pretty spectacular beer. But my son was there. And John was talking to Pete and Danny, and uh, John could probably tell you a little bit more about what hops he actually was gracious enough to uh, give to us. Yeah, John. So, John Conzilla, uh, you're based out in Wading River, Long Island. And you guys have a small vegetable farm. So, how did you start getting into hops? <clears throat> well, after uh, college, I was looking for something different and unique to bring to the farm, and with the resurgence of the craft beer and a lot of different uh, microbreweries popping up on Long Island made me think and uh, that's what led me to hops and further research led me to um, finding out that New York was at one time one of the uh, biggest hop producers in New York State so I said if we could do it a hundred years ago we could probably do it a little bit better now and uh, three years ago we planted an acre of hops Cascade and Mount Hood which are the samples that I brought to the guys at Six Point today Whole Leaf uh, Hops 
and we're looking to expand upon that and uh, get the New York hop back into uh, where it needs to be. That's great. So what are your expectations when, when you bring your hops to a, a brewery like Six Point? Uh, you know, and bring them to a brewery like Six Point, you know, I just want to let them know that, you know, there are smaller hop farms in New York that are getting going. New York State has about 75 acres of hops right now. Um, this spring it's projected that we're going to have approximately about 150 acres, and it's definitely something that's happening Um more and more. You're going to have 150 acres of hops? Not me personally, but oh, in uh, New York. according to the hop specialist in New York State, Steve Miller, uh, we're going to have about 150 acres of hops this <laughs> spring. Um, and, you know, there are people out there, and we're looking to, you know, do special, uh, you know, wet hopped ales, seasonal beers. And, you know, having a local hops is just about, you know, offering another alternative to the brewers around, you know, something different and unique that. You know they might be willing to <clears throat> experiment with. Shane, do, do you do you often work with uh, small farmers like in these kind of hot projects, or is that something you might do? We did uh, in August. Let's see, it was August or September of 2011. We did a field trip up to. It was actually near Utica, New York, where they had a a pretty big hop farm up there, and it was pretty funny. We while we were picking the hops, uh, upstate New York got hit with this earthquake mm. that day. It was like a five point. I, I think it was, that. It was like five point six. August two thousand eleven, right? Yeah. So we we had to name the beer after the earthquake. It was the Mad Scientist number six, but we named it five point <laughs> six because it was five point six on the Richter scale. But yeah, uh, what's interesting is I was thinking like a hundred years ago or, or more, hundred twenty years ago. When it was at its peak, be interesting to know like what the strains of hops that they were growing, because I'd imagine they were growing Hallertauer and the classic German hops, but they're not going to taste anything like Hallertauer hops, because the strain is only one of the things that determines the the flavor of the hop. That the terroir of the where it's grown is this the other thing that affects it. So. Even Cascade hops that are grown here in New York don't taste quite like Cascades that are grown in Yakima Valley, I've noticed. Have you uh, spoken to the Cooperstown Farm Museum? No. Um, do you know Wendy Littlefield? I do not. Okay, she was the founder of Brewery Omegong, although she's long gone from there. Uh, she was on the board of the Cooperstown Farm Museum, and Cooperstown was like the center of East Coast hops growing. They know a lot about it. They have a lot of records. And they still they still actually do grow hops there, too. John, you want to say something about Cooperstown? Yeah, Shane, Shane brought up an interesting point as to what was grown in New York um, back then when hop was king in New York. And based on what I understand is that it was um, a type of cluster that was grown, and that's what people you can still find those hops growing in the wild um, from that era and what analysis has showed is that it was cluster and uh, and bullion cluster and bullion and bullion, bullion yeah and that's Augie we, we also have Carton Brewery in the house too and uh, so we're going to be drinking the six point resin Shane uh, tell us about that because that's that's another fairly new beer that you've made before I do 
this sort of a joke among brewers that cluster is the cat piss hop. <laughs> so it's funny that like in 1890, Rheingold and all these other ones that beers that are from here, they must have just tasted like cat piss <laughs> because it's not known to be a very desirable hop. But from what I understand too, it's like one of the few indigenous profiles from the country. So like one that actually was here before people people bring it in. <laughs> cool. Um, Love that. Well, let's get Augie. Augie, you know, we got Cardin <laughs> here go. too. So yeah. Jesse and, him, and Augie from Cardin. Yeah, vibrant. <laughs> They're talking about the indigenous hospital. You guys are here. We got we got Cardin, uh, one of the new breweries from New Jersey that, that we got in New York. And uh, welcome to the show too. Thank you very much. All right, so yeah, we're gonna start opening up more of a conversation. First, Jonathan, tell us uh, you've got some breads and cheeses here from Bobo Inc. Your farm in, in Milford, New Jersey. You sell in Union Square Green Market mm-hmm. on Fridays, and we're at Lincoln Center on Thursday and Saturdays. So, That's what fun. cheeses did you bring for us? Um, I brought uh, this one right here is a Drum D R U M M that was made in October. Uh, the larger slab over there is uh, Jean Louis named in memory of the great chef Jean-Louis Paladin, who unfortunately never had a TV show, so um, I had to name a cheese after him so that he wouldn't be forgotten in this modern world. Um, And then the little round one, which is kind of rindless, is an illegal, dangerous, underage raw milk cheese. It is not legal for sale anywhere in the U.S. I did not sell it. I'm giving it away. We can taste it on the air, though. It was made on uh, February 7th, so it's a... Nice, young, fresh cheese. Our cows just starting ca- started calving in January. We don't milk from Thanksgiving until um, now. Um, so this was made from the milk of three or four cows who were eating beautiful hay and uh, doing something that most dairy cows never get to do in this country, suckling their calves. We're total heretics. We let our mamas suckle well, their you, calves. You're doing something special out there, and, and uh, it, it Tastes really good with the beer right now. Thank you. Thanks for coming out, Jonathan. All right, let's keep going. Augie, Cardin Brewing, the new yes, hot brewery. we got Six Point and Cardin, and this is a New York beer. I love it. So are you guys doing anything for New York Beer Week, Jeff? I mean, this is uh, you know Six Point, New York City Brewers Guild. We're actually doing too many events to actually count. Uh, we're <laughs> kind of doing New York City Beer Week always coincides with our anniversary. So we're actually celebrating our eighth anniversary, which is just mind-blowing, the fastest eight years ever. So tomorrow night we got our annual kettle of fish throw down in the uh, West Village. Kind of the first bar that ever really adopted us and started pouring a ton of beers on tap. So we're doing seven beers tomorrow, including uh, the Harbinger Saison, debut of our spring seasonal. We're going to be rocking the three beans there. A few other beers. Uh, free mac and cheese made by our friends over at Joseph Leonard. The owner of Kettlefish is from Wisconsin. Shane's from Wisconsin. These guys are from Wisconsin. So Patrick was actually, who owns the Kettle of Fish, was in Wisconsin last week visiting his family. He brought back the Sheboygan Brats. They're going into the mac and cheese with a, I think he's using eight different types of cheeses from the state of Wisconsin to make this mac and cheese. So it's pretty close to a hospital. So we'll be also <laughs> providing free angi- There'll be free angioplasties, too, on the way out. And you get a card if you can drink all seven beers. Hey, Wisconsin um, cheese isn't that bad. So, uh... Oh. So, yeah, so we got that going on. Jonathan, can you just take charge and start passing the cheese around sure. and the bread? Come on. On Thursday, I'll be, makes I'll be on Thursday, we're doing the Brooklyn 8th anniversary party at Beercraft, another one of our uh, Ground Zero six-point accounts, taking over the taps there with Ben and uh, Joe. Then on uh, Friday <laughs> is opening night of New York City Beer Week at Galapagos. Then we got an event at Pacific Standard. We're doing something at the Modern on Monday, something at the Growler Bar. 
Cooper's Tavern. Um, I, I can't leave anyone out because I'm sure you're listening. I'm going to get yelled at. But uh, if I didn't remember anyone, my cell phone number changed. No. Um, <laughs> so, no, but we're doing a ton of events. It's a great thing. Uh, it's a little bit different this year because every New York City-based brewery kind of, you know, adopted New York City Beer Week. So we're kind of like, uh, I guess, chaperoning or uh, programming or whatever, curating, whatever fancy word you want to use for picking stuff you like and selling it. Um, so it should it should be a lot of fun. So yeah, so hopefully everyone will be out at the kettle tomorrow, drinking our beers and giving us a toast. Oh, and also diesel cupcakes. This is huge. Diesel buttercream icing, diesel cake, and they're made by One Girl Cookies, uh, which is right next to our office in Dumbo. So I think that is a pretty good summation of what we're doing for Beer Week. If you can hear me chewing, I'm, I'm chewing on. What is this, Jonathan? Um, the little biscuit? That is apple biscuit. An apple biscuit. Apple and cinnamon. Yeah. Oh, hey, Carolyn, what, what are you doing for Beer Week? That's uh, Stacks at Midtown. Oh, lots of stuff. Uh, yeah, this year I was going to do just one, and now I'm doing four. Uh, so this Friday on the Galapagos uh, night, before we head out there, we're going to do, I'm doing something with Yvonne from Oscar Blues, Patrick from Smutty Nose, and uh, Mark from Lagunitas, back when they really geekily used to call themselves the Craft Beer Mafia. So what, uh, they call themselves that. Yeah, the, them three plus um, Ben. Do you remember Ben Wood from? Yeah, he did Two Brothers. Yeah, so I'm actually putting on a keg of Outlaw IPA from Two Brothers just as an homage or whatever. Um, so we're doing that because we've all never been out drinking before. And then, um, but I have some really cool beers. I'm actually putting on the last keg of the Fusion Nine, which is the one that me and Kirk Struble from Fourth uh, Avenue Pub went down to went over to Lagunitas to brew. So we're doing that. We have a great, um, the Smitty, which is their, it's the porter made with raspberries, fresh raspberries. And then we also have a um, strawberry shortweiss from Smutty Nose. So that'll be good. Then we have a Tuesday night, we have a harpoon event with one of the brewers up there, Mike DeLuca. Thursday, we're doing 14 lines from Greenport, uh, which is out by, from Greenport Harbor, out by where, um, out by where you guys are. And then... Friday we're doing Boulder. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty good rundown. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jeff, just what do you think of, I mean, for Beer Week, you know, you, you guys are, so it's the New York City Brewers Guild, Six Points, one of the New York City breweries. You guys are part of it. So who's in the New York City Brewers Guild proper? Yeah. Every New York City-based brewery. So you have Six Point, Brooklyn, uh, Single Cut, Bronx, Chelsea, Kelso, Heartland, Rockaway, Rockaway, Coney Island, Five Hundred Eight, yeah, Coney Island, Sugar Hill, uh, Bridge Tunnel, City, Sugar okay. Hill, um, Alphabet City. Alphabet City. I don't think they're. I, no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen them at the meeting. So, <laughs> if you guys are in it, guys, come to the meetings. I don't know what to tell you, but they haven't been at the meetings yet. Well, there's a power so. shift. So basically, the, you know, this is amazing. It's, it's what's going on there. All these little groups. There's Long Island. There's a Long Island Brewers Guild. New York City finally has its own Brewers Guild, and it never did. And I think it's a, it's a great catalyst, and I think it's a good direction for beer week. And it actually points to the know. fact, like even four years ago, there had to be like a New York State Brewers Guild because there wasn't enough of a concentration of breweries in any particular spot. But now, you know, there's 12 breweries. You can certainly have your own guild, and there's a ton of breweries all around too. Shane, on that note. Now, interesting what's happening is the, the guilds are getting more and more localized. 
So there used to just be the Brewers Association, and then there was the New York State Brewers Association. Now you have a New York City and a Long Island. But all of them have influence now. And what we're seeing in the past 12 months is the distribution in the wholesale laws get rewritten in multiple states. And it's not just random. It's because these groups are getting in contact with legislatures and they're making shit happen. So basically, for your listeners out there, back in the day you'd sign like a distribution contract and it's like signing your life away. But now you can actually get out of these contracts, much to the chagrin of certain folks. But that's Even in New York State now? In New York State right now, you can unilaterally terminate a wholesale contract with a wholesaler provided you meet certain criteria in terms of what kind of business you represent in their overall production scheme. That's amazing. Augie, we, we, we went from six-point resin to what's the beer we're drinking now? Uh, so this one's Gorp. We released it in the brewery on Sunday, and it's coming into town this week to hit around Friday. Awesome. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Right on. All right. That's like a nitrogen. You're listening to Favorite Flower by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. I think we're calling it our peanut butter shop for you guys. All right. We'll talk about that. Rocking on. We got a a full house tonight. We got Carton Brewing. We got Six Point. We've got Bobling Farm. We got Stag's Head. And we got John Conzilla from uh, his farm out in Long Island. All right. Heritage Radio Network. If if you want to be a member, go to heritageradionetwork.org. You can be a member. Support us. It's kind of like public radio. And, uh, you know, except for these pitches, there's no, no commercials. But. We're, we are really happy to be doing what we're doing. Um, Shane Welch was on one of our first interviews when we first started, and it's great to have him back. And now we've got new breweries like Carton uh, from New Jersey. So we're going to talk to, to Jesse and, and Augie, the, the Carton guys, and Shane Welch and Jeff Gorlikin are still here from uh, Six Point and everybody else. So, guys, what are we drinking right now? All right, so uh, this is Gorp, which we just put out yesterday at the brewery, and it's hitting New York um, this week for Friday. Uh, it's a trail mix inspired beer. It's it's essentially a porter base, which has some freeze dried peanuts, um, chocolate, and it's fermented on black raisins. So essentially, what we're hoping happens, it's about an eight and a half percent porter. And um, as it comes together, you should start off with those raisins and then get the chocolate, and then it should move on to a peanut finish. And it's just meant to evoke trail mix. Um, you know, us fooling around taking food. Sounds like the six point three beans. 
This is actually it's funny because um, we did a a beer for beast with these guys last year, and we did another this year, and we were in the middle of finalizing the recipe for uh, for this beer. So we brought the peanut butter, the the freeze dried peanut butter product that we were using along, and it's what's in what we're calling peanut butter shop for their event. So you'll get to try a very different, very pale ale version of a peanut beer rather than this kind of trail mix beer there. Well, I'm digging the food, everything. This is an awesome day. Let's all toast because Cheers. it's like all good friends Cheers. in one room. And we're getting ready for New York City Beer Week. But Beer for the Beast, it really does trump everything else these days. I mean, it really is like it's a the great event. I mean, it really is. I mean, you guys have reached out at six points to so many people. And, uh, you know... I'm really proud to be part of it, dudes. Yeah, it's fun for us to be involved in, so. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Jonathan, Well, what yeah. is this sausage I'm eating? This is um, venison salami, lactic-cured venison salami. Ask me how local it is. He shot it Very local. I didn't shoot it. A friend did. Right in the backyard. <laughs> Wrestled yeah. it to the no, ground. I told it a joke, and it died laughing. <laughs> so this isn't for sale. This is just educational. It's, yeah. It's wild. It's wild beast, so it's not for sale. Um, you know, beer for beasts... Um, the first time I heard that, I misinterpreted it because I don't know if you know this, but cows love beer. Nice. Cows totally love beer. And, well, they like carbohydrates because that's what they ferment in their bellies. And um, uh, there are some farmers who will treat a cow who's colicky by giving them beer. I'm not that nice. <laughs> expensive. Yeah. Wow. Let's go back to Corn. It's, it's funny that he mentioned cows and beer for beasts because this year beer for beasts is going to be 100% vegetarian because of a very lo- loud, small but loud group of people who uh, were protesting the event. And, we and you thought, caved. No, we brought cave age cheese. Uh, <laughs> no, but we, yeah, we. But Shane, are we you, you're a vegetarian, it. aren't you? Sometimes we had a very well. We had a very successful vegetarian beer dinner with with you a few years ago. That's when I was vegetarian. Yeah, right. But I had this. I never tell you my fried chicken story. Please. All right. So after not eating meat for eight years, um, I had this. I had this headache one night. I was like, oh god, this thing is like unbearable, right? I was trying to think of like where it came from. I'm like, how many beers did I have last night? Am I sick? Where? And then I realized I had this craving for chicken. And uh, I started calling all these places to figure out which place was open that still had chicken. It was late at night. And I uh, found a place that was open, and I ordered a whole chicken. And uh, the ferocity which I tore through that chicken, which I wish I would have captured it on camera. But... Uh, it was kind of like that in Gremlins when they give them the chicken after midnight, where the chicken parts are flying everywhere. Well, you know, when our show's done tonight, <laughs> one of the things on the menu right now at Roberta's, where we're recording, is the confit chicken. It's pretty awesome. So let's get back. Okay. Jesse, come on. You guys get your five minutes in because this is an awesome <laughs> well, show. Let, let me tell you what else yeah. we brought. We knew we were doing food tonight. So besides Gorp, because it's coming to town this week and we thought that'd be cool, we brought two of our food beers, BDG, which is kind of our table beer it's meant to be very bread crusty it uses this hot what does bdg stand for brunch dinner grub um it's like a brown ale kind of yeah the, the recipe started as a beer to guard and we were trying to design something that the would be, bdg beer to guard but, but oh, not yeah, yeah. really because we screwed it all up but um but the, the recipe started to be food friendly we're using this alsatian hop called aramis so it led us towards beer to guard to start but 
there's certain food things that are super hard to pair, like soy sauce, which pulls because it's malted. It pulls all this the sweetness out of malt, so it makes it no fun. That's why at a sushi bar they try to give you the plainest beer they can find. Goat cheese and stuff like that pulls different parts out. So by the time we're that's done, so with it, that's why sushi bars they just have like support. Yeah, or su- acai super duper extra dry. That's just to avoid the malt, you know, the, the interaction. But um, so we went for a, a much drier malt bill, and we actually changed the yeast to a German yeast called Kolsch because we thought it did the best with the water. So now you have a largely British malt bill with a French hop and a German yeast in Atlantic Highlands water. Sounds like World War II. So, yeah, exactly. So it's it's definitely it's definitely not to any type, but it ends up hopefully tasting like bread crust and staying dry enough to pair well, especially with things like the cheese and its and its sourness. And um and then that hop just dances in some kind of thyme and lemon and white pepper notes that make it food friendly. Then the other one is one we make just for one restaurant down in New Jersey, so we figured you guys might be interested in trying it. The restaurant's kind of it's a neat kind of Jersey kind of thing because it's it's a southwest flavors restaurant but he's not making anything authentic he's not trying to make a oaxacan taco or whatever he's just using cumin and coriander and cilantro and you know cayenne to make things we eat taste different so it's you know he's got a neat baked brie and he's got a great ribeye steak and he's got he does have pork tacos and fish tacos but he's also got lamb chops and a crab cake so what we did was take the inspiration from him it's called copper canyon um, it's in Atlanta Cons. It's about five blocks from the brewery. But we took the inspiration to take kind of what would be classically the American things and, and take the Southwest into it. So this is a simple adjunct bohemian pilsner base that instead of adjuncting with rice or corn to go boring, we used blue agave. So as you drink that one, you should get that kind of gun smoke. Uh, okay, who's the guy sitting next to you? Jesse. <laughs> Jesse, can you talk to us? Man, you made the beer, yeah, right? Man, Brooklyn traffic, man. I got here so Just late. Just good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, no. We, <laughs> so how, how many hours a week do you work in the brewery? A lot. Like how many? 100? 200? How many hours are in 350. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, how many hours are there? I've never week? actually caught him there. Oh, yeah. No, he, he misses me constantly. <laughs> I bet Caroline does peril. I bet she knows how many hours are in a week. <laughs> yeah, no. So the canyon, the canyon is a uh, is essentially you know a lot of pilsner malt, and and then we took basically all the noble hops except one, and and flipped them at uh, flavor additions and and aroma additions, and then put Czech hops in as well. I mean, it's sort of our take on what you know we thought sort of a bohemian pils should be, um, and then you know we've got our water in it, so it's. You so why, why don't you make access. more of it? Why don't you sh- ship it to New York City? It's our friend. We we, we, we made a deal with it's this guy. It's a custom beer. Yeah, it's a yeah. custom beer. It's the first custom beer we've done. You, so so if you taste the sweetness, um, right, so over those over those silver tequila gunmetal notes, there's the sugar's so simple, the yeast goes kind of nuts. It's a cow lager yeast. And there's like this papaya and mango thing. So if you put it with his food, which has those limes and that little bit of cayenne, it's just it's, – it's ex- it's exactly right for what it wants to do, and we just kind of let that be what it does. That's nice. So, Jesse, I know you were in the homebrew circuit for a long time, and, and, and you and Augie were friends, and you, you've planned this brewery for a long time. Yeah. But um, d- did you ever – I know you know Shane and, and Six Point. Oh, yeah, Point. I used to uh, go down to Six Point and get yeast. I used to go down there with my uh, Nalgene container, and they'd pull yeast off the bottom of uh, fermenters for me. And then I'd take it home, and it would be exploded all over my ceiling the next day. <laughs> and uh, I used to go down there, and before there was a homebrew shop in Brooklyn, 
and you had to do all your home brewing by mail order, basically, they would let me, uh, you know, pound by pound, dollar per pound. I, I don't think that's probably not a going rate anymore, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they'd, I'd take my malt bills down and be like, hey, is, I'm going to make a, an IPA. Is this, this is, and they'd be like, well, we don't have that or that, but you could use this. And we have that upstairs, and we have this upstairs, and they'd let me weigh it out. And then um, even before that, we did a collaboration beer for a record label that I worked on, that Jeff Shane. and Shane, uh, the Granddad's Nerve Tonic, and uh, and that was really the very first time I'd ever stirred a mash or, uh, well, milled in or you know. Would you go and hang out at the, at the the brewery in Red Hook and, and make? Yeah, so time? we I had a, I ran a record label and the artist uh, Junk Science, good friends of all ours that were, they, they had an album that just happened to have the name Tonic in the name and they were like, let's make a beer to go with this. Let's talk to Shane. And uh, so we all went down. Mikey and, Palms was the guy who hooked that all up. Yeah, yeah. Mikey Palms. South, and, it was South Bar, right? In Brooklyn? Yeah. 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 Which is no mas. Yeah, now it's going to be like a, a toddler activity center. Crazy, man. For those of us with four-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you should be a So, you know, I'm, 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 like you, I'm trying to set you guys up to this, like, little family of s- small breweries in New York, and it's Six Point inter- was the path, you know, pathfinder for many people. It's interconnected, it's interconnected for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. And definitely. It, one of the best things about it is that you get to see all the great beers that are coming out of Carton and the great beers that are coming out of uh, Barrier, and then we know that we have a relationship with those people. But, um, so you get to put a, you, you it, it's it, it's cross pollinated in yeah. a lot of ways. It's actually the the night I took him aside and said, "Look, you've got to quit your job and do this beer thing, or 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 it's not going to happen." We were at the kettle of fish yeah, drinking right. righteous rye. Nice. Like we must have had fifteen pints. Yeah, we probably yeah, had drank the, half the sixth. He, he was getting up the nerve to go quit a career to start this with me and my partner Chris. And Chris and I had him against the wall. We just we just they had two of your beers on that night. I know it was right. Just, I don't remember what the other one was. And we just kept switching back and forth in the basement of Kettle of Fish saying, are you going to do this or not? And here we are a year and a half later. And we're going to be there tomorrow night. Right on. Yep. So, so guess what? I guess we're raising our glasses. circle. This is the Six Point Love Fest, I guess. Come on. <laughs> Cheers to Shane and Jeff. You guys are awesome. And I said many times that when I was first looking at Jimmy's number 43, it was the fact that I got to taste uh, some Six Points that summer. At a Standings Bar that made me decide I could do a craft beer bar in New York City. I remember that, Jim. Yeah, because without you guys, there was no craft beer in New York City. So, well, certain others might feel offended by that. That's a very uh, <laughs> flattering and flam- inaccurate statement. Flammatory. I'm um, always inaccurate, but, you know. You're precise, but inaccurate. Let's, 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 let's close out with a special way. We've, we've got, like... We only have four mics in the studio, and we have one, two, three, four, five. We have like ten people here. So let's go from starting with Jonathan. Just say your name and, 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 and your affiliation, and we'll pass it around. And anything else you want to say, and we'll close out the show. So Okay. This is Jonathan White from Bobolink Dairy, uh, cowsoutside.com. We make cheese and bread and meat and charcuterie. And I, I have to confess, I am a uh, lapsed uh, home brewer. I homebrewed for about uh, 16 or 17 years. Three years ago, I, we bought a farm in Milford, New Jersey, right near the Ship Inn, and I stopped brewing because I started brewing beer back when if you wanted good beer, you had to make it yourself. Um, I'm happy to say thanks to people like you. Um, I don't have to brew beer anymore. Thank you. All right. I'll make the cheese. You make the beer. Right on. Shane? So, yeah, I'm Shane, and I... Work with a brewery called Six Point, 
and we try to do good work. Awesome. Jeff, let's pick it up. Come on, Jeff. My name is Jeff Gorlick, and I'm with Six Point Brewery. All right, this guy. Sixpoint.com, Facebook.com slash Six Point, <laughs> and you can find us on the Google. Jeff, is Six Point one word or two words? It's definitely one word. It's singular, so I know like your tongue wants to say six points, but your tongue would be wrong. I'm John Kinsella of Kinsella's Hops. We're a hop farm out east on Long Island, and right now we have a Kickstarter campaign going to import a German hops harvesting machine to boost hops production in New York State among farmers. Uh, How much money do you need to raise? We're looking to raise $27,000. That's a lot of money. Right now, um, after about two weeks of the campaign, we're 44% 44 there. We've raised over $12,000. So with Craft Beer Week happening right now, we're looking to spread the word. Um, We're definitely going to go the distance. We're going to bring this machine from Germany to New York. Is there a website again? Uh, it's kickstarter.com, and you're going to search for Kinzella Hops, C-O-N-D-Z-E-L-L-A, Hops, uh, and you'll find our campaign there. And, and John's done a great job. He's been reaching out to everyone from Six Point to Beer Sessions Radio. Good luck. I know you're going to do it. And next, let's go. Pick it up, guys. <clears throat> Jesse Ferguson, brewer at Carton Brewing Company. Right. And uh, Augie Carton of Carton Brewing Company. Uh, Caroline Pincus from the Stag's Head, and also amateur hop farmer. I have six All right, Caroline, yeah. That's right. All right, and hey, we'll give a shout-out to New York City Beer Week. It's coming up, and our favorite event, which we're producing next week, is New York City Brewer's Choice. In fact, Six Point, which has been there every year, and now Carton will be there, and it's the top Woo-hoo. brewers from the New York region will be there serving their best and most special beers with food pairings. And, and uh, we'll be there with our cheese. Heck yeah, and Bo, yeah, Bovolink, of course. So this is kind of like the New York City Brewer's Choice preview. Thanks to our sponsors, greatbrewers.com, who have helped to make this podcast possible and to the Good Brewer Seal, which is really the cool core of the 41 in small, independently owned beer bars in New York City. And thanks to Jonathan, Carolyn, Jesse, Augie, Jeff, and Shane, and John from Godzilla Farm for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and our engineer, Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.